PS powered by Seat. Welcome to the weekly review, the show where a panel of ordinary citizens try to make sense of a world in disarray through stuff we pick up on in pop culture. Reporting for duty, we have Ben Cardew the 3rd. Hello. Marvai Verdu. Hi. And Andre 3000 behind the controls. Today we're joined by a very special guest here with us to give us some insight into a particular professional situation. We have DJ, producer, musician, label owner and Grammy Award nominee Adam Freeland who has had his fingers in any pie that has to do with being an independent professional within the music industry and has been stranded in Barcelona unable to go back home for some time now due to the pandemic and flight restrictions. Hello Adam, welcome to the Hi. weekly review. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here with us. Um, to start off, we'll talk a little about the latest special episode of Euphoria, centering on Jules Vaughn's character and the importance it has for the transgender community. Mar will explain how SZA's debut album from 2017 has made a comeback into the charts with the help of a hotline. And this week we've been listening to a lot of music released by artists who tend to fall in the ample electronic category, inspiring activity from creative minds who have thrived under lockdown against the dreary situation of not being able to tour. Anyway, let's begin. Dios mío, Billy Eilish cantando en español. The show you. Euphor- <laughs> 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 I always put weird accents when I don't know. Uh, the show Euphoria had to postpone its plans, uh, like everyone else, uh, to continue shooting its second season during uh, due to the pandemic, but managed to film two special episodes, which are now streaming on HBO. The second of these specials, titled fuck anyone who's not a sea blob or the friendlier part two jewels has arrived with plenty of praise and hype since it features the first collaboration between rosalia and billy eilish who as i said has tried singing in spanish and does it wonderfully in my opinion uh, a song that we have been teased with for a few years since rosalia first announced she was in a studio with the eilish's phineas co-producers along with el guincho Last week, Mar spoke of crap remixes and didn't think much of Rosalia's addition to The Weeknd's Blinding Lights. Um, what do you think of this collaboration, Mar? I think I when I first heard it, because I was on the live thing, like the countdown <laughs> going on, and I was kind of let down because I felt like I expected so much of this. It has been so hyped over, like you said, it's been years almost that they said they would do this collab. And I was like, oh, okay, is that it? Is that what I was waiting for all these years? And then I I haven't finished the episode, but when I saw it on the episode, it it made me feel like all these emotions and it made me sad. And, it, and then I was like, oh my God, I love this song. I want to <laughs> listen to it again. So I'm not sure. I think I like it. Well, uh, it's uh, it's it's. I'm noticing there's a little trend here in pop music, apart from the series, uh, uh, um, American or international pop stars singing in Spanish. Right? We've had uh, Frank Ocean release uh, a song which was Cayendo, a ballad with lyrics in English and Spanish. The Weeknd singing in Spanish on Hawaii with Maluma. Um, Selena Gomez has now finally decided to release a song in Spanish. I was quite disappointed. I, I interviewed horrible, her, horrible. You know, when I interviewed her years ago, I asked her, "How's your Spanish?" And she didn't speak a word of Spanish. It's like you're Gomez. Come on, you know where's your heritage? Poor thing. Unfair. Uh, she's been living in the US all the time. Anyway, hang on. You're 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 old. Do you speak any German? Ah, <laughs> you've caught me there. But I'm not. I've got no German kind of link. It's more Dutch. But yeah. My Dutch is as 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 good as um, Selena's Spanish. <laughs> it's hers is probably better. Anyway, um, so Euphoria, right? Uh, um, according to um, well, the music obviously is is totally amazing. The episode also features Lord's Liability, which sent fans into the stratosphere, and also uh, Rosalia's close friend Arca, who provides Madre Violo. 
according to actor Hunter Schaefer, who plays Jules, she said, Euphoria has such a beautiful library of music for the first season and these special episodes, but something I am particularly excited about is how Arca contributed to this sort of uh, Jules Fantasia sex sequence that happens in the second half of the episode. It's sick. Um, sick being a euphemism for really cool or something. Could have specified, you know, nowadays, no? <laughs> Not COVID. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> um, speaking of the Arca track, uh, the cello and Madre Violo is played by Arca herself and the instrument was used only for this track and later destroyed. She told NME, after recording Madre Violo, I destroyed the cello and bought that I'd bought specifically for this. It had to be like a one-time thing for the version where I pitched up my vocal to castrati registers. But the original version with my unprocessed vocals, which felt a necessary version to share alongside Madre Violo, needed an arrangement that I could envision but couldn't hear. When I shared the a cappella version with Oliver, her, collabor her collaborator, there was an insane resonance and chemistry where he took it, felt, where he took it, oh, where he took it felt like a place I dreamed of but couldn't reach without him. <laughs> Madre Violo, by the way, is part of Arca's Madre EP, which is released on January, which was released on January 22nd, uh, a few, a week ago. So it's interesting how pop music and film in this case TV uh, meld together to create memorable moments and it's a great it's great when it's done with this kind of sensitivity as you say Mar it, it, it's part of the characters it, mm -hmm. it voices what's going inside their heads because even though they're exposing a lot of these emotions in the case of Jules episode she's actually with a therapist uh, you know telling all these things that she's going through it, it's the, the music works as a backup it's not just there to make it sound cool Yeah, I, it's so important, like, euf euphoria, it's, I, I don't know, I, I love it so much, I know it's so mainstream now, now to say that you love euphoria, but it has all, all these layers, like, the music's so important, the, the light is so important, the actors are amazing, and it all makes this perfect, like, package, and you can really see it again in this episode played by Hunter that she co-wrote and it's so amazing and it feels like you're inside of her head and you for once get to see her perspective and it's very very interesting one thing that really caught you know my attention was when she says and i quote uh, i feel like i framed my entire womanhood around men when i'm no longer interested in men like what men want is so boring and simple and not creative you know it's it's a it's a really powerful sentiment coming from someone who is going through so much and it's great that a series like this is so mainstream because people the the people of people trans people or people who are transitioning feel so alone sometimes you know the in in the world and even parents sometimes might have a have a way of struggling with how to talk to their children and how to make them feel at ease in a world that doesn't always portray them Uh, equally, in, in, in especially in the settings of you know going to high school where other kids are going through their own identity crisis, you know as you do when you're a teenager, it's it's a very powerful episode. It's very powerful, and obviously the acting is totally incredible. I'm as I, I I was also hooked on it. I mean, who isn't hooked on Euphoria? But I'm paying a lot of attention now to Sam Levinson, uh, the the creator and, and writer. He's about to release a new film now that has also been made entirely you know written produced filmed all during lockdown which is Malcolm and Marie which is going to be premiered on February 5th and it's a and it stars Zendaya who I can't get enough of and she actually she's also co-producing it and everything and and she's starring alongside John David Washington who was you know the star of Tenet last summer son of Denzel uh, and what's amazing is that they shot the film in the caterpillar, caterpillar house if you're into architecture it was designed by the US studio Feldman architecture and it looks like one of those films where it's just pure acting acting there's no special effects there's no changes of scenery it's all in between one room just like these two euphoria episodes mm -hmm. one was entirely shot in a diner the other one main it has a few scenes of jewels in her bedroom and other places but it's mainly taking place in, in her in her doctor's office in her psychiatrist psychologist's office therapist office <laughs> i'm not sure <laughs> with psychology psych psychiatry i always get mixed up yeah, yeah one can prescribe medicine one can't but i couldn't tell you which exactly they, they, they both sit in offices it's not like one has a lab coat well no i, I, I don't, I, think I don't none know of them. no 
<laughs> I fortunately haven't been in in the presence of either yet. Uh, um, yeah, we'll see how long 2021 goes on. It's, been, yeah, it's going to exactly. be a lucky, <laughs> long year already. What day is it? It feels like the, we're already in April or something. I don't know. But it's well, not. well, so there's plenty of entertainment. Anyway, moving on. Let's hear SZA. While we wait for Euphoria Season 2 to properly resume filming, we shall have to keep ourselves entertained with other stuff. Um, some artists find ways of using their platforms to serve their community of fans and on the way happen to provoke a surge in listens to their music. Such is the case with SZA, whose debut album Control from 2017, which was ranked 472 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list, has somehow got back into the charts. Mark. You've been following this story. What's, yeah. what's happened? So last week, Control, Control the album, um, went on number 32 on the top 40 Billboard charts. And, and it, we were like kind of surprised because it, the album has was released in 2017, but now it's back on charts. But what does this confirm? It basically means that we're all going through it and, and we're all together in this. You, the person that has been streaming this album nonstop for even if it's three years later, because Caesar is one of the only things that brings you this sense of stability, even if it's false, maybe. You are not <laughs> the only one. We apparently all have the same life and are living through the same things and have the same coping mechanisms. So yay for that, I guess. So Caesar is back on, on, on the charts. She also has good days that we're here on, on the background. And I think this song is so good. We got reminded that uh, she has this amazing album and we all went back to it because it's what we need. So it's not no secret that things have been super rough this year i don't know things have been pretty rough in general for a long time so caesar she not only has this all this amazing workout that we can go back to she went the extra mile in comforting us in these scary times and she has like launched a hotline that you can call in when you need some support or in need for a good cry so caesar will pick up your phone <laughs> and if you need to cry she will listen to you and and Hang on, hang on. Will SZA actually pick up the phone? Or yes. will a recording of SZA pick up the phone? There's a recording, obviously. Right. It's, it's basically this. And if you're a fan, it, it's fun to listen to SZA in this. I think it must be recorded and stuff. But in Twitter, you, if you follow her, she's like, in 40 minutes, I'm going to be on the hotline. So if you want to really? talk to she me... Really? She actually goes yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then there's a screenshot of people being like, it's so good to talk to her. She's so nice, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I, I want to call SZA. I, I, hey... Solana, um, <laughs> but <laughs> even if I'm not from the States, because I'm, I'm pretty sure we cannot call to a, an American number and she will pick up in four in the morning. But um, <laughs> the fact that she has come up with this, it has honestly made my week. Like, thank you for comforting my sadness, but also for making a, a phone line for me to cry because you know when I'm listening to Control, I'm crying and you want me to have this extra support. So thanks. It's, I was going to say, it reminds me a little bit, kind of slightly different levels, but do you, do you know, do you remember the artist called Powell, electronic music producer? No? no. Anyway, he did think um, uh, very, very good artist. He did this thing a few years ago in 2016. It was basically he he set up, he put billboards all over London with his email address on it, and it was like basically you know you can uh, email me. And he was basically spending like two days or something, just like promising to respond to every single email, um, and like everyone who, who who emailed him would get a response back. And I thought, yeah, right, he's going to do this. You know, he's not at scissor levels of fame, but he's you know reasonably well known. So I emailed him, just like, and I thought I was being really clever, but oh, can you recommend me a book? Thinking like he was just going to ignore it. And he was like, yes, I recommend you read this book. And then we had a really nice sort of oh my uh, exchange. god exchange. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Did you read the book? What was the book? Oh. God, ben. hang on, let me find oh that. I've got, it, I've, I've got it somewhere. <laughs> I, was the but, most important part. I mean, it, it, I, I will find it. Hang on. It could, it, you know, anyone with it, a cynical would think, oh, what a publicity stunt. But you can genuinely see that Scissor really is invested in this emotionally. But it is a publicity stunt. Like she, she got us talking about her, even though I would talk about her every day. But um, 
it, it's so clever and it it relates to what she does like you wanna cry listen to my music you wanna talk to me you can call me like even if she's profiting out of this it it makes sense and it doesn't make me mad because I'm also profiting out of this kind of kind of it makes me feel cared for uh, I can bring you the exclusive the book he recommended was on being an artist by Sir Michael Craig Martin. Uh, in fact, I just looked back and I sent him two questions. One was how far should you read in a book before giving up on it? Um, and because my granddad always said 50 pages. Um, and he said, I pretty much give up every book after 50 pages. One of my current regrets about life. Though I did finish this and it sort of helped me when writing this album. Um, and linked to this album. And the second thing he said, uh, wow, this shows so long. Should I take my children ages two and three to swimming lessons or try to teach them myself? I enjoy trying to teach them, but don't really know how to do it. And he sent a gif of uh, his Powell character swimming. And I was like, all right, thanks. It's <laughs> uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I remember we continued for a bit. Because uh, I said to mom, look, I'm sure you must be really sick and bored of doing this. He was like, no, I really enjoy it. It's really nice to have that kind of communication. Communicating is healthy. Yeah, maybe it's- famous people are kind of alone after all. <laughs> maybe they don't have that much work and they can answer all our emails and phone calls. Hang on, Adam, are you getting an idea? No, I'm, 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 there's so many good tips on this show. I'm making a <laughs> note in my adult short-term memory. Got like Euphoria episode, Scissor Control on being an artist. Wow! Look at that. Very yeah. useful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. It's game game changing. Yeah. Adam, have you ever resorted to uh, a, a publicity stunt or something that you've well, done? Hang on, resorted to is a bit harsh. All right, no, not <laughs> sorry, not resort, uh, but um, done something to promote music in a way that might be beneficial aside from getting the message out there of look, I've just released a, a new material. I had this track in 2003 that, I wouldn't say accidentally, unsurprisingly became a a top 40 hit in England called We Want Your Soul. And it was super subversive. And we set up a website called wewantyoursoul.com where you could um, value your soul. (laughs) And like the questions were like, do you work in advertising? And, um, you know, like, (laughs) um, and that was quite uh, a fun project is and we got lots of sort of christian groups really quite offended in writing us <laughs> sort of thinking that this wasn't funny at all um, so that was a success you know it's, it was, it's it always was good when you have a christian group you know sort <laughs> yeah of taking it the wrong way yeah. ban freeland now burn burn yeah. his record and we got i'm a big fan of bill hicks who was a yes. american comedian and i got to sample him in that record and i felt like spreading him with sharing his message with, with the world was a a good thing to be doing because yeah there was a big he was sort of him his sort of psyche that inspired that bill hicks bill hicks yeah because it, it's that's one of the great things about releasing music in the in the pop market or you know pop to say it in a cer- certain way you know having fun with these well publicity stunts you know pop music is full of them mm. it's 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 part of contemporary history and and, it, and it's and it's just as exciting as the content in many occasions you know, especially when it's done right with with people with soul. I mean, you run your own label as well, and do you, what the way you run your label? Do you ever feel like doing more of these things? You know, to get other of your artists out there into the sphere, or do you prefer to just keep it straightforward? Uh, no, I've never kept it straightforward. <laughs> I've always done things the really hard way, and once in a while it works. You know, um, actually, right now the label is kind of dormant. I haven't been. Um, releasing anything for the last few years so i can't talk about it currently but it still exists and Mm -hmm. it may well live again but um always sort of tried sort of renegade maverick approaches to things because that's really where the fun is right it's like just sort of i mean it's it's i'm sort of old school right i mean i'm like pre-internet way of promoting records where you'd take out media campaigns in magazines and posters on billboards and like uh, and then kind of make cool stickers and do weird shit. But um, it's different now. And I'm probably like, it's time to get uh, to... And I've, 
it's time to get to a new level of creative with some future content I'm putting out. I'm quite excited to do some weird stuff. Because you know, I was, yeah. I was, I was, I just finished reading the uh, the biography and memoirs of um, Walter Yetnikov, who was a huge m- m- a CBS media mogul. Not mogul. He was the head of Sony and CBS. You know, one of these proper CEOs who's basically dining with Michael Jackson on the back of Thriller and b- handling Billy Joel's uh, catalog and Bruce Springsteen, all these giants, and talking about going to lavish dinners and stuff. That's the way the major labels would do it. But then independent labels like like yours or all the labels that started thriving from the 80s onwards uh, it was it, it was a it was the same way of doing things but on a smaller label uh, scale you know in the end it's public relations a lot of that has to do with it how would how was it with a with with your label did you ha- would you have to pamper to to journalists and and work with distributors or was it more hands-on it was very hands-on but we didn't really have to pamper because I mean we weren't really releasing pop music, you know. We were releasing sort of underground 12 inches. That back in the day when you'd sell quite a lot of vinyl, you know, it was a different era. But um, yeah, I never felt like I had to sort of compromise or pander to anybody. But like I said, sometimes we would do like um, so. Once in a while, you had something where you really felt like this needs. You have to sort of. You can't just running an independent label you you've got to sort of really be careful with your funds right so you can't just like once in a while we had something that really made sense to get behind and do maverick stuff um i'm trying to think of it we had one artist called ills ils and we put like this massive billboard at like um at um shepherd's bush roundabout in west london which just said are you feeling ills (laughs) (laughs) but with no reference to the record at all you know, just sort of, it's kind of a crazy, expensive experiment to sort of hope that some people might get it. I don't know if it it worked, but it was fun. Well, now of course you've got you have Twitter to back you up, and obviously when when people follow, for instance, Fortet, an artist that we're we're very keen on, you know, Fortet, all he has to do is drop a tweet saying, "Look, new mix out," boom, and all of a sudden there's I don't know how many retweets. His community or people who are interested in his kind of music will will be onto it, and all of a sudden it'll become a thing, and and it'll g- gather momentum. Uh, vinyl will sell out, and it's a very interesting way of operating uh, within social music, uh, social media. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of this track. Of of yours which I think is a, an incredible banger. Best tacos in Ensenada. Where is Ensenada? What's <laughs> So I used to live in um, Los Feliz, which is Silver in Lake, the, LA. Uh-huh. And um there was this taco shop around the corner from my home and studio and it was like fuel for the making of this album <clears throat> called Cope and uh, it was called the Best Fish Tacos in Ensenada and it was considering we were probably about a third tacos by the time we finished that record <laughs> I had felt like I had to dedicate a track we ended up having the album launch party at that taco <laughs> joint and um, I think I'd like to claim stake the claim for being the first artist that stage dived a taco sh- stop a taco <laughs> store and I ended up burning myself on those overhead um like ow lamp you know those sort of patio heaters yeah they're kind of at that sort of Ooh. St- you know yeah it's like a, a cold day jumped off the decks into the crowd got passed around and but and you got you got scorched. not not too bad not too bad but it was quite it was yeah. Well, you were at a taco shop. You know, it's like anyone want a bit of Adam Freeland in their t- in their enchilada. <laughs> yeah. Burnt chicken smell. Hang on, let me give you your proper intro. You know, we start. You, you're here joined. Uh, you're joining us at the table, but I've written something for us. You know, you've been stranded in Barcelona for some time now, Adam, unable to fly back home to California due to flight restrictions. Many may have danced into the wee hours at massive festivals like Glastonbury, Burning Man, Coachella, or listening to your eclectic DJ mixes for many respected series like Fabric, the legendary club in which you resided, Global Underground, Back to Mine. Uh, you've done so much, you know, as we were talking about, you've run label, you've 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 loaned music to music soundtracks, film soundtracks, video games, you've DJed all over the world, you, you've, you were, you're part of a band, The Acid, which we're going to be talking about as well uh, in, in a few minutes. Um, 
you've been in this business for over 17 years. Had you ever faced something as challenging as a global pandemic? It's 25 years, I've realized. 25, damn it. 25 that, that, years, that's advisor. an old bio. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, no, none of us have faced anything like this, right? I mean, you face your own personal crises, like people close to you die and like hard stuff happens. And personally, although, but personally, immediately the crisis has actually been quite good for me in many ways uh, on a on a totally, you know, direct level obviously i'm really really terrible for the world and on many levels but um no there's not been anything like this um yeah i mean <laughs> how many like dj dates were you doing in 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 a year back in when i was like going for it um you know, you'd probably do two, an average of two to three a week. So maybe at least 100, 100 120 gigs a year. Wow. Uh, but the thing is, you know, it's like when you DJ, it's different in a band. When, it, when you're DJing, the agents just go, oh, well, it's just you and a box of records. Mm -hmm. So, like, they'd book you wherever you could physically fly. <laughs> and you can fly quite a long way in one day. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes you'd be in Japan on Friday night in Rome on Saturday night and then... It was a lot of air miles. It was a lot of air miles. What does that do to your way of seeing the world and and the distances? You know, all of a sudden you're you know you do you realize where you are when you're going when you land off the airport or is it straight from the airport to the hotel straight to the club and you're always in a haze? <laughs> I mean, it's many levels to that. I mean, on one level, it 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 made me see a sort of narrative that you wouldn't see living in a place, which was. Um, you know, you'd read again pre-internet a lot of this stuff. So you'd you'd be on in a um, an airport in New York and read a headline, and then you'd get off the plane in London, read the same headline spun from a different direction, like the same story but completely turned on its head. So it made you question the sort of media narrative a lot, which I which kind of inspired tracks like "We Want Your Soul." We're talking about just sort of questioning the narrative that we're all sort of the red pill we've all swallowed um but in terms of like you know what it does to your circadian rhythm and all that there's this you know when you wake up in a hotel room or any room really and there's like about three seconds where you like don't know where you are and then before it all floods back in i don't know if you know what i'm talking about but yeah often you'd wake up and it's like you'd look at the ceiling it's like generic hotel rooms like I don't know where in the world I am. I don't know if I've done the gig or I'm going to the airport. And I quite, there's like a few seconds of this sort of suspended limbo, which I, I like. It's like, I have no idea where in space and time I am or what I'm doing. And then the reality hits like, oh shit, you've got to get to the gig or oh shit, you've got to get to the airport. It's one or the other. But Would you always uh, travel solo or would you have someone with you taking care of making um, sure... On the longer tours and the further tours, I'd take a, a friend as a tour manager, yeah. or some, you know, or if I was taking my band, obviously you'd have the whole entourage. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what's it like? How long have you been stranded in Barcelona? Um, I've been here since sort of mid to late December. Not that long. <sighs> okay. But, um, I was in Greece for a while before coming here, but I left the States in July, thinking, oh, I'll come back in a couple of months, and not realizing I couldn't. So it's sort of my fault. You know, I shouldn't have left, but I'm glad I'm here. But it seems pretty harsh they won't let you back in because you, you, you've not got an American passport, mm -hmm. basically. So, like, no one from Britain or Europe can, can come to the US, right? That's so, right. No one can. And you can't say, look, I live I live here. You know, I've got all my papers. They, they, they don't care. They don't care. And if you had a green card, it'd be different. I don't have a green card. Because you don't work with... When, when you have to play in the US, do they just set up a special... No, I have a thing called an O-1 visa. O1 visa, which is actually called an alien of extraordinary talent. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> and so I've, uh, as an O1 visa holder, you can be in the States and all the time, as long as you're only doing the thing you're, you're nominated to do, which is be an artist. So I mm -hmm. couldn't go and get a job at McDonald's or anything, which I've been itching to do, of course. <laughs> Fish taco shop. Fish taco shop. Um, so you, yeah, you can. You, they, whenever you come in through the states, you know they can be such dicks on the customs. Uh, customs, 
and they always make it very clear that I'm not, I don't live in America. I, they always say, what do you do here? I say, well, I live here. They're like, you don't live here because you've got this particular type of visa. I, they're still happy to take my taxes. Yeah. Anyway, um, a green card is a different thing. In, I, I remember no. I once had to help like write a letter of recommendation for someone's Owen visa. And basically what you have to say is that no American out of the 350 million can do what what they do if you see what I mean. so yeah. like, you're not taking any Americans jobs it's like this person does something that no one else could do which I found was quite it's like pretty harsh high level you know what I mean well yeah like only Mick Jagger can be Mick Jagger right <laughs> it's yeah. like that's often things are like well we have DJs here like they often say that to you like well we have DJs <laughs> it's like yeah but the, you know they don't <laughs> have <not>. me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only you can be you so it's sort of artists and actors get the O1. And they are the sort of champions of, you know, selling yourself as, you know, more than just a human being and an individual. You know, I am, you know, um, Prince, you know, I, yeah. I, I I do this and that, or I am Michael Jordan and only, yeah, I can understand yeah. that. No? And they kind of lap it up. Yeah, and they don't, they don't really understand the British humility. So I don't go, I'm fucking out of feeling, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know who the hell I am? You know, that's maybe what they're expecting, but I'm just like, well, I, I play records and okay, this I, is my visa. I've got one horrendous question, but I'm going to go for it. Right, if you if you had to sort of say, all right, no, I'm out of freedom, I'm getting, you know, for, for visa purposes or whatever, what is the one thing you would you would bring up? Because there's one thing I reckon in your in your history that I that I would bring up if it was me. But I'm interested to say what you what well, you. Well, the thing that goes down best with sort of mainstream culture is they say I'm Grammy nominated artist. That yeah. one works, but. I, that doesn't mean as much to me, but if I was trying to use some leverage, hmm. I was going to yeah. say the doors, like the, that, that, that would maybe get through to. Okay. That they ask you to remix a song, like you know, that would maybe get through to customs people, wouldn't it? That's a good one. I should try it. Well, I, luckily <laughs> I haven't, I've been okay. Yeah. You've recorded with Tommy Lee from Motley Crue. I mean, that's also <laughs> that. You know, I've got a good Tommy Lee story actually regarding this particular subject. I was, we were in an airport, and. Uh, he we were kind of drunk and having a good time and he dived through the you know with the x-ray machine where you yes. put your laptop in your bags and your <gasps> shoes he just dived through it and went through the x-ray and um if you or i or pretty much anyone did that in any country in the world we would get arrested and taken to prison i mean or jail and then you'd you know you'd have to deal with some really angry security but they just the security just high-fived him and asked for his signature. That and that, is, uh, that's uh, in America like celebrity is beyond royalty. Law and yeah, it's like it's it really spun me up. I th- in England they would make they'd make an example of you for doing yeah, that as yeah. a celebrity yeah. and like double down and make you give you twice as bad punishment but that right. was a trip. It's like Boy George when they made him uh, pick up garbage, you know, as as part of his community service. Community yeah, service, yeah. It's like, they, you right. know, they didn't put him in charge of a school or, you know, something mild outside. No, no, no. Get out on the street wearing the fluorescent thing and stuff and, and be, become an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as I say, yeah, That's the good. power of celebrity in America. It's weird. So, I mean, you... you the, the music you make is sort of based in, in dance music, mm-hmm. right, at, at its base. I mean, how, like... And how does it feel to, like make that kind of music in this kind of age where people aren't, aren't going out and dancing does it make you think like you want to do something different or do you do big create some big banger and you're like yeah but no one's gonna hear well, it I, that's pretty much the conversation i'm having with myself every day right now well so for the last sort of six seven years i've really not been making dance music yeah. i've been doing the acid which is i've been doing acid uh, <laughs> we need to give some context i have a band called the acid and my bandmates and it's really song based uh, and with a uh, Rye X singer and Steve Nalepa, and it's yeah, it's songs. It's from electronic music. But I wouldn't call it dance music per se. However, right now because I can't be with them, um, I'm actually quite excited to write dance music. And the whole sound I sort of was involved in, sort of pushing through in the '90s, is a breakbeat and electro stuff, is massively back. Yeah, and it feels like a really good moment to sort of jump back into that although there isn't any nightclubs to perform in or festivals or anything but i mean i don't know if you heard the bicep record that just came out i mean we're going to be talking about it later yeah yeah. just breaks right and so it it, you know this is my territory and i'm 
I'm actually excited to write dance floor music again, which feels completely bizarre because I can't even imagine there being any nightclubs at any point soon. But but that's okay. I I never really followed what you're supposed to do. <laughs> How do you feel like when someone like bicep release something? You're like, this is Briggs. I was, I was doing that. Do you feel like good or do you feel a bit like? Just get off my turf a little bit, you know. Like, I'm really happy that they're doing it and doing a good job of it. You know, it's a really good record. I think they're really good. Also, my ego is like, I'd love, you know, like, at the time when we were doing that sound, it never really quite got to warehouse or techno or drum and bass, or it became sort of part of the industry. Didn't quite get enough momentum and then sort of tailed off, you know. And so I'm like, hey, like, this could have, this would have, you know. But no, I'm, I'm stoked, actually. Yeah, it's happening. And not to sort of for uh, any retro sake. I just, I never got over the, just the power of a good breakbeat. I don't know, it's just in my blood. Well, it must yeah. be, I've always thought it must be very exciting to be there at the start of something, you know. Yeah. Like when you realise that what the thing that you and your mates are doing kind of actually does have like a wide, wider impact and people are really into it. You know, it's not just, you know, the four of you in a room. It's like, oh, actually, you know. Mm. Um, have you thought as well, all right, about when you finally can go back to a club and you can finally DJ, have you thought about what the first record is you're playing? I have not, but it's a good question. But I'm never very good at thinking about what the first record I'm going to play is. I, 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 um, part of my, I'd say, I wouldn't, uh, my magic is, or certainly my technique is, I never know what I'm going to play and I literally sort of like divine it like 10 mostly because I'm just really disorganized <laughs> but somehow it's worked for me so I just last minute I'm like that one go so anyway that's who knows what we'll play but maybe I'll play my fantastic anthem that I'm making right now in my hotel room in Barcelona in Casabonai yeah what's it like being stranded in Casabonai it's a lovely hotel but uh, but on, are you solo is it a bit like it's me and my Nicholson? kitten there's two of us. Oh, you're a kitten. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm covered in scratches. Ah. Um, me and my kitten that I picked up on the way here, and I couldn't leave the cute little thing. So I have company. Um, it's actually a great place to live. I miss not having a kitchen. Ah, that's what I, I was like going to ask. Yeah. I like cooking. So, but it's also having been living in a desert and on an island for the last <laughs> seven years, it's really quite exotic to be able to go out and get tapas on any corner and great food and just have everything right there well quick shout out to bodega bonai which has recently reopened as a as a kind of tapas bar fantastic wine selection fantastic have you tried the the sea urchin royale oh, that's good that's where we met that's right? where we met last friday yeah shout yeah it's, it's really good yeah 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 i'm it? actually i love sea urchins I've, I've got a date with a buddy of mine to go up to cadaquez and go diving for them in the cold water of January. Whoa! You know yeah. how to distinguish which ones are the good ones? Yeah, the female ones. With, they have they have this sort of Shells. they have st- stuff in their hair. Yeah, they they yeah. They, 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 they they wear they're more attractive. Their hair. Yeah, mm. uh-huh, that's the way. Um, but as you were saying, you know, uh, off the record, uh, off the off off the mic, you were saying earlier, uh, you actually live isolated in Joshua Tree in the desert in California. Yeah. What, what's that experience like? It's fantastic. That kind of prepared you for the, the, you know, the harsh part of the pandemic when we were in lockdown. It was like, ah, business as usual, right? Well, I felt like, I mean, it felt really apocalyptic when it first hit, especially in America, like, because there's no sort of decent welfare system. And it was really vague about, I really felt like the whole country was about to just fall apart, properly fall apart. And I was like, I got a well and solar. I I live totally off grid. grid. I am... I started immediately building a greenhouse. I'm like, I need to start getting my own food together. I'm actually in a much stronger position than most people because I'm remote. I can self-sustain myself. Uh, so it was pretty amazing. And many once the sort of initial shock of what was going on happened, it's really I just having been around the noise all the time. I really love quiet, and it's particularly quiet spot. And then. And then there's no aeroplanes either, so there's no contrails. There's no, there's nothing. So for the first couple of months of lockdown, it was it was like going back a hundred years. It was like proper pristine nature, no sound, no no evidence of man beyond where I was. It was it was pretty special. 
What about if you yeah. had to hunt your own game, like your own food <laughs> and stuff? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did it, I did it to see if I could. I, I shot, um, skinned, cooked a squirrel. <laughs> what? Yeah, I did it just because I wanted to know I could do it. Yeah. I'm mostly vegetarian, actually, but I, I just I wanted to know I could do it. And they're not. They felt there's lots of them. They're not an endangered species. Does that empower you, knowing that you've you've you can survive on your own now? Now that you've got you know you've got solar panels, you've got your. You've it's got an incredibly rewarding experience. Yeah, so I've been like deep in it now for a, a few years, and it's been. Yeah, it's like living in an alternate reality. Because I, I, yeah. sometimes I get anxiety because I couldn't even begin to change a tire. You, you know, learn pretty my, quick. Yeah, you learn, that's that's why I did it. You know, I I hadn't. I'm quite practical, but I hadn't really had any experience at doing any of the stuff. You know, I've learned like electric and plumbing and welding and carpentry and all the stuff. And because you have to, and that's why I went there. I wanted to use my hands. And you know, it's amazing what you can learn on YouTube. And also, just get people like get people to do the thing you want to do. Like hire them and then be their lackey. And that's how I learned to carpentry and building decks and stuff. Like just yeah. Do you think in any way that that was a reaction against you know when you're a very famous DJ? I'm, I presume. <laughs> um, successful. Like, successful is the word. Like, like people, you get a lot done for you, right? I mean, you're probably, you know, you're talking about like waking up in the hotel room and, you know, someone would give you like a call and there'd be a, a car waiting to take you to the club or to the airport. And I, I, I guess in that life, you probably don't have to do all that many things for yourself. Do you think like it was a reaction kind of wanting to do, you know? I, I always tried to avoid being, I'm not saying I haven't had my diva moments, but... <laughs> I always tried to avoid being that guy. I really feel like I want to be responsible for my own shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I hadn't thought about that. So, I mean, the, the, the main thing is really for me is just that creative outlet. Like having had a, been fortunate enough to have had a career doing my sort of teenage dream and not really having to compromise. But it's, it's micro movements, right? It's like, especially now, like you do 90% of what you're doing in a laptop. It like it's digital. There's not anything physical. You don't even have records anymore. I mean, mostly, you know, it's like there's not a lot of physical. And I just had this sort of primal urge to like actually see and touch something I had created. Uh, and because all my creativity had gone into digital domain. So that's really the exciting part for me is just getting your hands in the dirt and seeing something tangible. Well, mm. speaking of tangible stuff, I'm mm. amazed at uh, the project you did with The Acid. Well, first of all, The Acid is the band, uh, uh, there's three of you, mm-hmm. who you, you formed uh, a while back and you released uh, Liminal, mm-hmm. the album which inspired Jonesy from Sigur Ross to copy you and, and go on a Liminal tour. <laughs> <laughs> What's the story behind uh, The Acid? How did you guys come together? Um. I met Rai um, a few years ago, and I'm at, I'm in I'm in LA. I've I've just taken I, I quit DJing 2010. This is the story I was telling myself. I was like, no, I'm just gonna clear stop and try and uh, open myself up for a different experience. I could go on. It's a longer story, but after two years of not flying uh, or not doing. Uh, pretty much not going near a studio i went to california to do a um peyote ceremony with these like um native american church people in northern california and it was like a really profound experience and i get to la to see some friends after that i'm at this dinner and there's rye and he's like we should, and he's, he totally looks different. He used to have, he used to be this clean cut guy and he's got a beard and he looks kind of homeless. <laughs> and uh, we got chatting and he said, we should go in the studio. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing music. And there was, this was the delusion I was in. He's like, we should just go in the studio. I was like, no. I'm not. Anyway, we went in the studio and, and, and Steve had the studio. I was like, well, I've got a buddy who's got a studio. We could go in there. And we did. In about a week, we did these four tracks and we put them on SoundCloud and we were going to call it um, Adam Freeland and Roy X. And then I was like, nah, I want it. We need to call it something else because I want to shake my breakbeat past. It needs to be perceived as something. And we all needed it. And it was, that didn't um, consider Steve. And 
Anyway, had this idea for the as the acid and uh, put it on SoundCloud and thought it would just be a thing for friends, like we'd share and just have some cool music. That it's just where my head was in a totally different place. And then suddenly, but we didn't say who was behind it. And then suddenly, all these labels I'd have dreamed of, like XL and Mute, and were like hitting us up. And I was like, this is pretty cool. And we kept changing our name, like. Oh, well, kept sorry, changing where we were from. So like we were from Norway and we were from Chile and we were from, and then like Golden Voice who do Coachella were hitting us up like, who are we? We're interested in booking you. And this was like in a few weeks of having made this, it was pretty cool. So that is sort of it. Just one of those lucky things that just sort of the energy. It didn't take any push. You know, it just sort of took its own volition, which was feel very fortunate for that well speaking and, of tangible things yeah. uh, more than tangible uh, with the acid you guys were involved in the bomb yeah can you explain what the bomb was the bomb's a documentary about nuclear weapons uh-huh. and um, we got approached to score it and um, it was pretty amazing because they just let us really do what we want to do and it's a there's no spoken word narrative it's all Uh, a solid hour-long piece of music. Well, it's split into sort of 10 scenes, but mm-hmm. it's a continuous soundtrack. And um, we ended, the, the plan was to uh, perform it around the world in this as a, an immersive, not release it as a film, but as an immersive experience. I think the director was really inspired by like Koyan Esquatsi and um, What was the other one? Baraka. 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 And also what how, what Adam Curtis had done in New York with Massive Attack in that whole sort of in the surround thing. I think, she, and so it was this eight screen thing. So we were performing in the middle and it was on all around and we launched it yeah. at Tribeca Film Festival and it took us to some amazing places, actually. Yep. I- yeah. And being being um, constantly, you know, making music, looking at this information about nuclear bombs and destruction and what humankind is capable of, you know, taking us into the darkness, did it have any kind of negative effect of being aware of this information all the time? It's pretty harrowing when you... I mean, that's the point, really. I mean, we read Eric Schloss's book, upon which the film is based, called Command and Control, and it's sort of about the story of nuclear weapons and nuclear energy and and the fact that sort of one of our own hasn't gone off is really quite a miracle you Good. know like the, the the story of blunders like you wouldn't believe the story of blunders we sort of see and it's also like to raise awareness because there was sort of in the cold war everyone was worried about nukes were really in the media but then it sort of dropped off and you ask the average person young person about nuclear weapons like oh how many have we got certainly pre-trump anyway trump has it's one good thing trump has done has made people aware of nukes again because they're so worried he would have his finger on the button mm. but um yeah stories of like them falling out of planes and being two <laughs> days before the american military realized they'd dropped a nuclear bomb it didn't go off but it was like in someone's field stuff i mean infinite stories of like reactors melting down and have you it, ever read uh, the book midnight in chernobyl by adam higginbotham which no. is about um oh my god it gave me the absolute fear i read it quite recently and it's the kind of thing i mean it's about sort of you know nuclear energy rather than rather than nuclear weapons yeah. but you just sort of read it you're just like oh good god no no and then you're like i remember that like, i asked my wife where's the nearest nuclear reactor and she was like yeah there's one just down the the the, the coast mm-hmm. like, oh jeez there's a bunch around here yeah <laughs> Well, because that's the thing. Yeah. It's supposedly yeah. clean and efficient energy source, right? Well, it is until it goes wrong. Exactly. Yeah. You know, after yeah. Chernobyl, you know, everyone's watched Chernobyl and HBO, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, look, you know what? Yeah, or, or even in The Dark Knight Rises, no, Bruce Wayne has a, a, a nuclear device to create free energy, but it's like, look, we can't be trusted. It can be turned into a weapon, which Bane does. Um, I. It, I, th- yeah. I think we need to calm down slightly. <laughs> Should we, Is this we a morning show? Yeah. <laughs> Should we listen to a bit of Bicep? They're quite calming. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Bicep is our album of the week. Oh, good. Yeah. Bicep are a duo from Belfast, based in London, formed by Matt McGreer and Andy Ferguson, who've delivered their second album, Isles, for Ninja Tune. An album Ben reviewed for Pitchfork, giving it a 6.3, which drew some ire on Twitter. What happened, Ben? 
Well, you know how it is. You kind of do anything <laughs> and people basically call you an, an absolute idiot. So uh, I've been called basically... What was it someone called, called me the other day? It's just basically like... I don't know if people are willfully misinterpreting or if they are really big fans of Bicep and are bad. It wasn't a bad review. I don't quite know kind of It what. wasn't a bad review. And I, th- I loved the line where you said B- uh, Bicep might have proven themselves to be house music's own Taylor Swift's. <laughs> oh, right. Well, well, various commentators online are not very happy about that. It was an abomination of a review, apparently. Oh. It's because it's this is a beautiful thing about electronic music. The fans are really passionate and they get into really heated debates over the slightest thing. Adam, you must have had a lot of experience. Yeah. Were you were you busy looking in uh, reviews of your own material and stuff, or things that would happen in forums surrounding your? Well, your uh, I could I could use this moment to, to take a pick at Pitchfork as you're a Pitchfork. Do reviewer. it right. Well, oh, there it comes. <laughs> so, you know, try and not look at that stuff too much because you can become, you know, it's not useful. It's just not useful. Like, you know if something's good. You see, as a DJ, you get direct feedback. You don't need a journalist to tell you it's good or, you know what I mean? Like, that's the great thing about being a DJ producer. You've road tested stuff before you release them, mostly. I do have some moments in my career that I regret release, releases, I regret. But Pitchfork, when I put out the Acid album, when we put out the Acid album, they, did, they basically spent the entire review reviewing my last Freeland album slagging off the album and not even talking about the actual record and and i felt again it's one of those things where if if it hadn't you kind of get you become known to be it's really hard to change people's perception of you and so that's why i wanted it to be the acid and not any sort of didn't do any dance music press just wanted it to live as its own thing but despite that pitchfork just were just dicks actually mm. they just gave it a really the, the journalist I hope it wasn't you we're going to have to have an arm wrestling <laughs> on twist it was written by Ben Cardew <laughs> that would be brilliant wouldn't the curtain <laughs> no it wasn't, it wasn't. I, I vaguely know the person who did write it but um, he's nice honestly yeah promise. well the review wasn't good I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't have minded a bad review but it wasn't a review of the album it I was know. a review of my previous artist album do you know do you know what what i think i've, yeah. ha- I've had um uh i've had sort of bad reactions to reviews i've written before and i always 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 what i always think is like if if anyone asks me about it you know like the artists ask me about it i'm always like i'm i think you've got to be there to take it so yeah. it, it wasn't me that wrote this review but like you know if bicep wanted to like wanted to say like why did you write that i would be like okay well i'll, I'll tell you exactly why i wrote it because i think that's really important you've got to be like if you're gonna if you're going to put your head up above the parapet and give your opinion, mm. you've got to be like, okay, well, let's see what other people what other people say. Yeah. And actually, I think I think I was just looking at the review now. Um, that what you said is entirely um, is entirely true. I it's mean, just like it's vindictive, right? It wasn't well, useful. It wasn't good journalism because it I, wasn't a reviewing the record. See, I would say I'd rather they said this album's crap and this is why it's crap, but. Yeah, well, but the, the one thing I the one thing I doubt it was, and I don't know, I yeah. I doubt it was vindictive. It, sure. Well, they, that answers your question, right? Because they felt it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. like, it's not someone I know particularly well, but I I, I doubt it. I mean, but I mean, who who knows? I can tell you, like, I mean, bicep. I was certainly. I mean, I I, I would never be vindictive about about anything i hope and i thought it was i thought it was a good review so that's the that's the lucky thing artists like bicep who this is their second album they they haven't been in the mm, public that that long right it's not like yeah. someone like uh, disclosure who you have seen on tv shows and performing in Jules Holland you know people have that th- that reference point when they when you're relatively new on the scene People will only judge the music because that's all there is. In your case, Adam, you'd had such a long career and you were so, you know, every, people knew you because that, the freelance sound yeah. meant a certain thing. And all of a sudden, I can see how that can, uh, yeah, that, it, it, it muds the waters. I had this thought when I was really young and I remember Paul McCartney released Hope of Deliverance. Which I liked, right? Remember that song, Hope of Deliverance? This was back in the no, 90s. Hope 
of deliverance and uh, for, for some reason I had this thought like if an artist who wasn't Paul McCartney released th- this song would it have gotten the radio play that it got I don't know I was just one of my I was smoking joints there on a train station it's like oh what is this <laughs> one of my deep thoughts yeah. <laughs> so it's like the context of who's behind the song and stuff it can sometimes be unfair isn't it, it absolutely no the, the way the music is judged yeah, of course, but like that's the way we all judge everything. It's cognitive it? bias, you know. That's that's what we all have. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. I think the, the thing is, it's like um, if you if you say something in a review, it, it might be something you just say. Everyone, right? Okay, everyone talks to their friends about stuff, and everyone is kind of negative about it. I don't know anyone who's like, "Did you see that TV program last night?" You know, oh well, I understood what they were trying to do. Um, I personally didn't like it, you know, but people I don't think are, are like that. I guess review's just a wider, a wider part of that. It's like we've all got music in our lives that we either dislike or don't think is perfect or something like that. And it, I see it just um, in a way, it's like an extension of that. Although it's not the same because you're doing it publicly, I guess. Mm. I love it when they're funny. I like restaurant reviews. There's that guy. Is it for the Guardian or someone who's who's really vicious? And he always goes to three Michelin starred restaurants. You know, he, he he attacks hot cuisine and you know, and he and he does a lot of brilliant. He 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 really milks it for comedic effects, right? And obviously because it, there are these pompous French restaurants and stuff, you know, you don't feel any kind of. Uh, it's an easy it's an easy target. No, he's punching up, you could say, even though it's horrible to to criticize a chef's work, you know, I've worked as a chef and I know how heartbreaking it can be when someone doesn't get that you were actually trying to make uh, a coolant that that melts uh, rather than holds up. I don't know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. But um in the case of this uh, this album of the week uh, of Biceps, I I struggle to even find something funny to say about it, good or bad, right? It's just business as usual in a sense. It's it's interesting that you, Adam, have picked up on the fact that they're kind of bringing back a sound from the past, yeah. but through to new ears. But that's all I can say about it. It's like, yeah, it's good. It's it's it it, it doesn't offend me or doesn't make me super excited. It's just an album I can have in the background. Is that a good thing? I my my feeling is. I mean, no, I don't think there's much room for for mediocre. I mean, I I'm not very patient with mediocrity, like, but I don't think this record's mediocre. I think it's actually really good. But I'm listening to it as a producer. It's really nicely put together, and I think it's got what I appreciate about it is, is the emotive content. It's all quite nicely emotive without being cheesy. It's like a it's a it's a fine, it's a fine line, line to ride. Yeah. And uh, we'll see. I literally I've listened to it like twice, but I was like, it's really nicely put together. It, and it's rare that in an you find a sort of a consistent body of tracks on a record in, in electronic music that I've, I feel like that about. Because we'll was see a- how I feel about it in two weeks, you know, but. I like the fact that uh, electronics and techno has become very emotional and 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 but sometimes for instance there's that that, that French duo the blaze that they got really popular for this kind of style of very yeah melancholy kind of techno and stuff sort of hip-hop isn't it the blaze yeah but it's, it's in between both worlds and stuff you know it, it has dance floor numbers but it has that kind of sort of urban landscape kind of um, texture as well but some of, sometimes it seems a bit formulaic because I noticed that, okay, you've got the Blaze, but there's a lot of copycats. And for instance, I like Stefan Bodzin. I think he does it very well. But then there's all these kind of, pop- I don't know, it, as you say, Adam, it's a fine line between it being a bit cheesy and easy to reproduce because sometimes it's just these kind of blue melodies. I don't know. And I think the thing about Bicep that I really come back to, which is why I find it really interesting to know what you think, is that it, it sounds like a record that you really imagined going out and having a really big dance to with thousands and thousands of people. I don't think... It doesn't feel to me like a sort of record for listening to at home. And I listen to a lot of electronic music at home. Um, or for small clubs. It sounds like absolutely vast. And that's yeah. that's what I like. I like a lot yeah. of music that's yeah. like that. But um, it's just very unfortunate timing and that's, it, that's that's not that it's a record to go and take a load of ecstasy to when you're like 19 right and have those peak moments of your life it is that kind of thing and you're right and no one's really doing that unless they're doing it in their living room with like you know <laughs> with a bluetooth speaker <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> uh, 
that's the, that's the quote they want for the poster. Yeah. Ma, you're the closest to 19 of all of us. Yeah. But you're, you're very clean, you're very <laughs> clean living. You must have been very quiet. Um, did, did you like this album? It, it's the thing, I think I said it in other episodes, that I I don't know much about music in general, but the genre I know the least of and I feel less entitled to talk about is electronic music. So. I even know I just when I'm out um, with my friends I I like dancing to it but I listening it by myself is it's difficult for me to say yeah it's super good or no it's so bad it's like I don't know I have to be dancing with my friends to tell if I like it or not He's hoping one day we're going to have to end there though I'm afraid Is that us? Oh yeah damn it Time <laughs> flies when you're having fun It does especially when we have such a quality guest Yeah uh, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure There's so many things I was going to ask about and we didn't have the time We'll just have to have a a cup of tea sometimes exactly or a vermouth as oh. one does here a vermouth yeah yeah maintain that habit thank you so yeah. much for joining us here on the weekly review Adam Freeland stranded in Barcelona for a few more weeks when do you get to fly no I, I might I might never leave I'm serious it might become home I feel like that right now That's, that, that sounds good I mean I, I feel bad for your, your your wonderful incredible alternative lifestyle you had in the middle of Joshua Tree yeah. but it's great to have uh, someone like you adding to the, the citizenship of Barcelona and running into you in, in some of these wonderful places where we go and enjoy our wines and our tapas shout out to Casa Bonai uh, thank you all for listening thank you Mar thank you Ben thank you Andre thank you for listening ladies and gentlemen this was the weekly review <laughs>